Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast, Match Fix, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get Down to Play today, the UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to Match Fix, a brand new Selk production podcast bringing you everything you want to know about the women's grassroots game. Episode 7 of Match Fix is here and another really great chat with a really knowledgeable guest this week. This weekend sees the return of FA Cup action with just two non-league teams left in it. So all of the luck to Huddersfield Town, who are away to Brighton, and Southampton, who also find themselves travelling as they face Birmingham City. Birmingham have had a somewhat stormy season, shall we say, so the Saints could be one to watch here. This podcast is obviously focused on the grassroots game, but we can't release a podcast on the week of the completion of the WSL and not congratulate Chelsea on their magnificent run to clinch the title. They're about to do an Arsenal, potentially, and nab the quadruple. So, fingers crossed for them. The opportunity to watch them has actually been really great week in, week out during lockdown. Um, Just seeing how clinical they are was a real treat. And for Sam Kerr to kind of secure the golden boot, having had her doubters when she first joined, is a real testament to the kind of inspirational player she is. Equally... AKB nabbing the golden glove with 12 of 20 clean sheets. What a stat that is. Equally, um, commiserations to Bristol, who kind of somewhat undeservedly, it feels, find themselves relegated, having found their form a little bit too late under a maternity cover map bid. Uh, Meanwhile, congratulations also to Leicester, who make the jump from the championship to the WSL. They too have had a fantastic season. Also, excitingly, we see applications for upward movement from the likes of Yeovil Town and Sunderland for places in the Championship. And they are no stranger to the WSL. So that's a real treat to see that happening. And I've seen nothing official. I'm expecting the same from Southampton too, who have been robbed of promotion two seasons on the bounce because of Covid. And finally, our heartfelt condolences to the family and friends of Julie Chipchase. Likely an unheard name for many, but she is another pioneer of the women's game who sadly passed away last week. She is synonymous with the Doncaster Bells, having played, managed, directed them in her career, which spans as far back as the 70s. When you think of the word legacy... She certainly is one to associate, having supported and delivered the A licence to coaches across the football landscape, amongst millions of other things she did. Enough from me anyway. Keep listening for part two. Keep it simple. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to part two of episode seven of Match Fix and joining me today is Rob Mitchell who is the first team manager at Brighouse Town AFC Women. Welcome Rob. Thanks for having me. 
not at all not at all how are you how's things i was initially asking people kind of how lot they're doing with lockdown but we're very much out of lockdown and back yeah. into football so yeah how is things how how's how's life yeah really good we're back obviously we've been back training and playing friendly so um football's everything to to me and the players that we've got so to be back it's been a massive relief and we're just looking forward now sounds crazy but looking forward to having the break so we have a natural uh, sort of uh, start to pre-season we're not going to train all the way through even though we've had lockdown we think that we need to we need to have that break so there's a a break up between this season and, and the next yeah that makes a lot of sense I think it kind of that's, I mean, I think people have said it a lot, haven't they? But the kind of getting back into normality, that sort of thing. So, yeah, like it, it just makes sense to have that natural break, as you say, yeah. to kind of, yeah, get that kind of routine of football back into everyone's life, I guess, yeah. Yes. So let's go back a little bit, though. So how did you kind of deal with lockdown and kind of the team just in general? Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the team. But, yeah, how did you kind of cope with lockdown and things like that and kind of keeping the team together and things? Yeah, it was really tough. I'd be lying if I said it was easy because, like, as I mentioned, Previously, um, football is a massive part of, of of my life, my coaching team's life, and and the players' life. So to have it stopped um, was was really difficult. And you know, credit to not just our team but everyone that dealt with it in their own way, because you know, there's been a lot of a lot of things that have, have gone on that have affected people. Um, and like I say, we're just glad to be back. But to dealing with it, we did have sort of regular communication through like Zoom and Teams, as we yeah. mentioned, um, sort of online fitness, quizzes, um, just dropping a message every now and again just to see how people are. I think it's really important because I did it individually as well to a lot of the players because yeah. I felt that rather than just a general message in the group where people might feel a little bit awkward, I always, I always keep in regular contact with the players and just make sure that they're on top form or if they needed anything, you know, I could try and help them in whatever way that I could or the coaching team could. Um and yeah, it was just it was just a bit of a crazy time in mm-hmm. in our life, and it's a time that I think we can take a lot of positives from as well because we've yeah. learned to learn in different ways and we've learned to use technology in different ways as well. So hopefully we can we can take positives from it and, and build from there, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Lou mentioned that in my in the previous episode as well, how we'd kind of had a chance to kind of present things in a different way and kind of you could kind of go a little bit old school as in like get out a presentation and stuff like that so yeah I mean obviously not everybody will have done that and things like that but yeah just like you say it's a different way to kind of communicate with people so yeah I think a lot of people like you say have kind of found some positives even though obviously it's been a devastating time yeah there's been some positives definitely for kind of football and grassroots football especially Cool, lovely, yeah. So I think that's kind of a bit a bit of a kind of similar story across most teams, really, is their kind of lockdown experience. But yeah, yeah. I think everyone's just glad to have football back now, aren't they, really? Definitely. Cool, lovely. So, I mean, let's start with you then. Kind of what is your footballing background? Kind of did you play as a kid? Did you, have you coached teams previously? Kind of tell me your story up until kind of Brickhouse. <clears throat> yes, I've always, obviously, I've always uh, enjoyed playing football. I've always... I've always played football since I was young, but I never got the opportunity to sort of play for a team until I was 16, which is quite late, really, mm. in, in, in boys' terms. Yeah. I had uh, one provide four sisters as well, so there was a lot for my mum to deal with. So <laughs> in terms of football, it kind of wasn't a priority, if that makes sense. So I used to just play outside, um, play in the playground, and just sort of, it sounds crazy, but just develop your skills on the street almost. And then when I, when I turned 16, I started playing sort of for a local team, um, I had a coach, uh, Barry Gibson, who really gave me uh, a lot of confidence in myself to say that I've not played for a team 
Um, you know, he, he felt that I was a good player, which was was good to me because I'd never played. Yeah. And from from then, I, you know, I played at a couple of local teams before I went to uh, play for Brighouse, um, which is where I am now. And yeah. I absolutely love my time playing for Brighouse. Unbelievable club, um, run by superb people. The the men's setup was incredible then, playing at a good level. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed my time. Um, in and amongst that, I went and coached abroad in France, uh, not for any professional team or anything. It was more of a casual sort of children coaching, um, yeah. which got I got the bug for coaching them from then on. And when I came back, I started doing my coaching qualifications, got involved with a team um, called Let Highlanders, uh, which is a women's team. Um, one of my friends was uh, the coach at the time and he asked me to come and get involved. He went off to America and I, I naturally just took over the team. And then from there, um, I've just been involved in women's football ever since. Um, we... Um, my partner was playing for a team called Kirklees at the time um, and their manager left and they were struggling for players and they were advertising for a manager and, and no one would take it on and I didn't really want to do it to be honest mm-hmm. um, but I did it because I wanted to make sure that obviously my partner had, had a team and, and could enjoy it uh, and from then um, because of my link with Brighouse I was coaching with the men's first team then and um, I was the first team coach under uh, a, a guy called Paul Quinn um, and we decided that we wanted to, to get a women's team at the club we felt it would be a really positive move mm-hmm. and the natural progression was to bring Kirklees into into the Brighouse set up because um, they were struggling a little bit at the time and um, we did that we integrated them we became Brighouse Town Ladies and um, from then on we've just sort of grown and gone from strength to strength and, and, and become Brighouse Town AFC women from then and, and worked our way up the pyramid um, and that's that's sort of where I've been involved, um, just coaching with Brig House, with the ladies and the men, mm-hmm. um, and, and just helping out other local local clubs um, in my spare time. But yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. Nice, I love that. That's really interesting as well that you say that you didn't actually play for a team until you were 16. That kind of really goes against the grain of kind of boys football because obviously, I think I've said it before loads of times, kind of you just get chucked a ball as soon as you can walk and then, yeah, you're a boy but you play football. So yeah, that is really yeah. interesting that you kind of say, oh, you just playing, kind of played in the street and stuff like that. Is it, Well, you say you had four sisters as well. So do you think that yeah. had an influence on the fact that you kind of weren't involved in football? Well, I was the old. I'm, I'm the oldest of the, of, of the of the six ultimately. And yeah. I just, I, I think growing up, I think my mum did have a little bit of a tough time of it. And obviously, again, you prioritise things. And I just think for her to then commit her time, I'm not holding anything against her because I've had, no, a, great, no, yeah, I've had a great time playing football. But I just don't think it was a priority for her. And it wasn't a priority for me. I just wanted to help support my mum and help support the family and stuff. Yeah. And football was something that I, I absolutely loved. I played FIFA, I played football manager, championship manager, yeah. you know, you, you you play card games and things like that with your friends. Um, but the best time spent, honestly, um, were just going out onto the field, onto the streets, all the kids coming out on the street, playing jumpers for goalposts. Mm-hmm. You know, it was unbelievable. Like, yeah. like some of the best time spent. Um, and, and I think that probably gave me um, a perspective maybe on, on football. And, and maybe that's why um, I, I kind of am more down the coaching route, so to speak, now because I didn't necessarily play when I was younger, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to understand, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed growing up and I enjoyed playing football in the way that I played it. And then to be given that opportunity, like say at sixteen, and then work my way up and play at a decent level, um, you know, I won't say credit to me because I don't want to blow <laughs> me on trumpet, but no, it's it just that was my journey. 
Um, and you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't change anything. Uh, obviously, you'd like to play grassroots football, but mm. um, I think it was very different when I was younger as well. I'm 36 now as well, so there weren't as many teams. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it, it was good though. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the journey that I've had. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, kind of, well, even now, like the the commitment of kind of being a a kind of football parent or whatever, a football guardian, like whatever it is, whoever it is that takes you to football, it's a lot, isn't it? So like you say, if your mum's kind of... Yeah. My son's at at Man City, so we have to do that. He trains five times a week. Oh, wow, okay. Um, So he does get support, he gets picked up from time to time, but I'm over from Huddersfield to Manchester you know, at least twice a week. Um, and the little girls just started playing as well now, so that's going to be fun too. That's exciting. Cool. I love that. Amazing. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah. So, like, after, yeah, just as I was saying, like, it's, it is a big commitment, isn't it? So, I guess, like, if, you're, if your mom's got six kids to juggle, then it's a lot to deal with, yeah. Um, you mentioned France as well. That's interesting. What? How did that kind of come about? Um, so, when I left school, again... Um, like growing up, I'm not, you know, I'm going to play the violins or anything, but, it was, you know, it's tough. And yeah. when I left school, I didn't really have any direction. Um, I didn't really have any advice. And the, the only advice I had was uh, from my granddad. And he said, you know, get a trade, make sure you, you know, make sure you've, you've, you're in a position. And even though, again, it wasn't really me, but I, I went down the sort of joinery electrical route, mm. um, didn't really enjoy it, um, did a couple of years. And then I, you know, I needed I needed to sort of get away and do something different, and I saw an advertisement in the in the newspaper, and it, it was it was to, to work in Brittany and France, mm. doing sort of coaching for children that were on on holiday ultimately, and and, and delivering sort of a football program and, and other sports, multi sports, and I just thought, you know what, I, I want to give that a go, and I did that for for two years, sort of two seasons. You kind of go through the summer and you come back. You can go earlier and later, depending on what your circumstances are. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I absolutely loved it. Um, it was something different. And from then on, as I mentioned, you know, it just got the buzz for coaching, and I felt that that was what I wanted to do for a career. Um, so yeah, now it was it was just it was circumstance. Uh, it was luck that I'd seen it in the paper, and then the rest is is history, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine seeing a, a coaching ad in the paper now? That seems kind of like a bit <laughs> of a, a bit of a world away, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. That's I, that's really cool. I like that. I guess I don't know. Maybe social media means that there's more kind of coaching opportunities available. I guess, but yeah, just yeah, just interesting to think that you saw it in a paper and then here you are yeah. now, kind of obviously kind of reaping the reaping the rewards of that. Yeah. So then you mentioned Kirkleys, didn't you? Was that the ladies' yeah. team? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, kind of, what made you pick? kind of ladies over what did you coach so between France and Kirklees did you coach a men's team at all or did you go straight into Kirklees ladies um, so it was it was a team called Lepton when I came back from France and again that was just luck and circumstances that one of my friends that I'd met while playing for Brighouse was actually the manager of Lepton and so like the men's women before that really again barring my and my grandma used to play with us in the garden football and things which again you wouldn't you know, you look at, I know it sounds bad, but you look at grandmas as like old women and like, you know, but she was full of life and she just wanted to, you know, entertain us and and play football. And and that was good. And that was my only real um, sort of experience of seeing a female sort of role model playing Mm. football. So I never really looked at ladies football as like a a viable opportunity or whatever. It was just, again, it was just by chance and luck that Obviously, one of my friends was involved. They asked me if I wanted to come and, and help out. I'd just come back, and I, 
I, I felt again, I felt why not? We'll go and have a look. Um, I think I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was just playing locally. Um, or I'd, oh, I, mean, I was at Brighouse, obviously, and and yeah, it was just a natural, it was just a natural thing to go over and get involved in the coaching. Nice, yeah. Um, that's interesting that you say about your grandma as well. So, I mean, I'm not trying to make Carol feel old, but in episode three, I think it was, I spoke to Carol Bates, who is in charge of Crawley Old Girls, and she's kind of she was the one who kind of grew up and did everything in a football kind of club and in a football team except play football. So now yeah. she's kind of running Crawley Old Girls. She's like she's in her forties now, and yeah, she's got tons and tons of women who are kind of she calls them like the Miss Generation essentially. So yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's your yeah, your your grandma was potentially part of that kind of kind of remit of women, possibly. So you said as well. I think this is quite a common thing within kind of women's football teams as well. Is that they're often kind of independent kind of teams, and then they kind of eventually get kind of picked up by a men's yeah. team. So that is is that essentially what happened with Brighouse? Um, no, not really. I think I think Brighouse would have always, or we would have always started a women's team at Brighouse. It was just. It was just sort of a natural thing because of the position that Kirklees were in. They were playing at Leeds Road, which is kind of, it's not a bad facility, but it's ultimately it's just a grass pitch. Yeah. Um, it's got nothing really around it. Um, struggling for players, maybe had 11 every week, which is not ideal with injuries yeah. and things. And as I mentioned, the management, the, the manager and her partner went away travelling. Um, so there was no one to run the team. Um, so it was... It was, again, as I said, you know, it, it wasn't something that I was looking to do. Um, I kind of just did it, if that makes sense. But I said, if I'm going to do it, we've got to do it properly. We've got to do it right. And then obviously yeah. we took them in at Brighouse. And then, and as I said, that you know, we've we've gone from strength to strength. Yeah, absolutely. That was back in 2013, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah, so right now you guys play Division 1 North National League, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. kind of what's the journey been to, to that kind of point at which... I'm, I'm assuming you didn't start in National League kind of Division 1. No. no. So we was, in the, we was in the North East Regional South. The, we, Kirklees had just been promoted from like the County Leagues yeah. uh, into the North East Regional South. And I think in our first season there, I kind of took over at... Christmas as Kirklees and I think we finished about fourth or something and then I think our first season as Brighouse in 2013-14 we went the whole season unbeaten and won the league and nice. went into the North East Regional Prem I think the season after we came second behind Hull who were our old foes yeah. all the way through we always <laughs> had some really good battles um, and I think it was Rachel Gay was and we had good battles two good teams going toe to toe you know every season every time we played against each I think they yeah. won it and we came second the season after again we went unbeaten and won the Premier the North East Regional Premier and won the League Cup so that was good and then obviously we got promoted into the I think it was the FA Women's Premier League at the time um, yeah. it was before they kind of rebranded it Yeah. and I think the first season we came sixth which was decent for a, you know for us we made our way up yeah. Um you know, big teams in there. I think Geisley won it that year and they had a really good team, Geisley. Um, they've, they've unfortunately folded now, but they had a really good team. Mm. And then we, the season after, we finished second. Um, had really good cup runs. I think we got to the FA Cup third round and had Everton at home, which was nice. an unbelievable experience. There was sort of over 400 people there. And we got beat 8-1, but I think at the time, Everton were winning the championship. Yeah. I think they were top of the championship and they were a really good team. They, they had some really good players. Um, Lavelle was playing in goal, Kirsty Lavelle. Oh, yeah, so yeah. We weren't going to score many past there, were we, to be fair? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, we were just glad to get one. And when one went in, there was a big roar. Yeah. Um, it was it was brilliant. 
The season after, we came second again, this time behind Burnley, but we got to the fourth round of the FA Cup and had Sunderland away. And Sunderland were in the Super League at the time, and I think they were fourth yeah. behind Man City, Arsenal and Chelsea. I think they were the only teams. And they give us a stuffing, but again, people like Lucy Staniforth were playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Cassia Lipka, they, you know, unbelievable team. Yeah. Um, but what an experience! And then obviously this is when COVID started, and you know we we've be, always been in the sort of top two or three teams um, all the way through, and had good FA Cup runs, good League Cup runs. Um, yeah, no, it's been it's been a really good journey, and hopefully we can continue to create history and continue the journey yeah absolutely it sounds like a very exciting journey so uh let's talk fa cup in that case because so you guys well so you guys have made it you made it to the first round didn't you and then i think you got you got knocked out by chesterley street and they're kind of, i'm guessing they're your current like kind of league you rivals the aren't they yeah this yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah you're right you're all right yes yeah, so they're, yeah. they're, they're they're your kind of league rivals aren't they i guess because they're sort of but we are we have I get on really well with Barry from Chesterley Street. And it's not often <laughs> You're like we're mates, really. Yeah, it's not often that two teams in a, in the same league because you normally see the teams that are around you as rivals, yeah, and they yeah. are. But we have like good relationships with a few teams, and mm. they're one of them. Um, but that we, I think, when we played Chesterley Street, it was away on a three G, and the weather was terrible, um, and we managed to go two 0 up inside sort of six minutes, and that sort of set the tone. Mm. We scored another before half time. And it was three 0 and then the second half it was it was kind of a a done game if that makes sense. It yeah. was kind of there were no real chances for either team. It was it was just a case of seeing it out. Um, and then we went through and we played Newcastle at home in the second round, who again are a, a league rival. Yeah. Um, and Newcastle are always stubborn; they're always hard to beat. <laughs> uh, we drew nil nil, I think, in the league, and then we were nil nil at full time. This time we went to extra time and uh, we came out and absolutely blitzed, blitzed them this, in extra time. We scored two goals inside five minutes again. Yeah. Um, and then a goal right at the end. So we won three there. And then um, we got Huddersfield away, who are a, a local rival. That's yeah. the closest team to us. So that was brilliant. They're top of the league above. Yeah. Had a great season. And again, we were unlucky not to win the game. I think they'll say the same. We yeah. took them all the way to penalties and we are terrible at penalties. So <laughs> we were terrible. Um, but yeah, no, that again, great experience to play a good team. And they're still in it. They've got Brighton, I think, uh, away. Yeah, so. them and Southampton, they're the only two kind of non-elite yeah. teams left in it. So yeah, kind of up the non-elites. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so kind of less, I mean, we kind of, I, I went off on a tangent then, decided to sort FA Cup. But kind of let's go back slightly. So kind of, you were saying originally about how kind of um, Brickhouse is a really, like, just a nice club to be at and there's, like, a real kind of sense of... I think you maybe mentioned sense of community and stuff like that. So how, how do you think, or rather, do you think kind of playing at the same stadium and being kind of being so kind of community-based and kind of part of the club, how, do you think that's kind of, like... Well, do you think that's good for the team, basically, essentially? Kind Absolutely. Of, yeah. Yeah, I think the facilities that we've got, the ground that we've got, a really good, like a really good standard, really good level. Um, I think we are working really hard to bring the the men and the women even closer. And we've got junior teams now, and we've got um, other teams that use the facilities and stuff. And we're kind of one big family. Ultimately, we've got the hashtag one town one team sort of yeah. thing going on, and we kind of support each other in whatever we can do. 
um, and, and create that family environment, atmosphere. And I think the players love being part of that. I think a lot of players have come in and said um, they'd never really thought about Brighouse as an option until until they came because yeah. it's not got a big name. They don't really know what facilities we've got. They don't really know what we're about because we're, we're sort of this... We're, I think we're looked upon as a little team that always kind of do well, if that makes sense. When yeah. really, you know, we, in my opinion, I think we're one of the bigger teams in women's football in our area. Um, like I said, we won the County Cup the season before it got uh, null and voided. Mm. We beat, again, we beat Geisley with the division above. Yeah. Um, we've not had an opportunity to return our trophy for two seasons now. Um, but that's <laughs> but back really to, disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we... I think in women's football, I think we're getting a, a, reputa- a good reputation in the sense of we're always competitive and it's always a tough game. And I think yeah. we want that. And I think what creates that is good, good, honest players, good, honest people behind the scenes, making sure you create that environment and, and, and doing things the right way, ultimately. Mm, that's interesting. Do you think there's sort of like a sort of a sense of professionalism about the team? I don't necessarily mean you're kind of obviously yeah. you're not playing play you're not paying players and things like that. But do you? So this is another thing that I talked about with Lou. So kind of it, they're obviously he he's the manager at Northampton Town, so they're obviously linked to Northampton Town men as well. And he kind of said that not necessarily in the sense of kind of kind of business professional, but kind of just creating this kind of professional mentality about the way you kind of approach things and stuff like that. So do you think that's a similar thing that you're doing at Brickhouse? 100%, yeah. No, we, we, I kind of feel that because we haven't got the name and the brand and the big, massive Premier League Championship club supporting us, we have to work twice as hard mm. as other clubs. I'm not saying we're working twice as hard as other clubs. I'm not disrespecting any club whatsoever, yeah. but I just feel in, in ourselves... We have to work twice as hard as people, if that makes sense, to create that atmosphere. Like little details, like um, making sure the change room's set up so when the players arrive, they've got nothing to worry about, about yeah. uh, apart from just playing. Um, making sure, like, so at Easter, I always get the, the players an Easter egg. So before the game, there's all got an Easter egg. Um, we bought them like key rings at Christmas with their name on the back of the shirt, like a shirt key ring yeah, with yeah. the bring house. Just little, I think, just little detail like that, just to show the players that um, you really value them and you'll back them all the way, and you've got their back and you'll support them, and you, you want to look after them and treat them as part of your family ultimately. Um, but I think, from a professional point of view, we've got a good group of coaches who are so switched on and on the ball, and we all sort of offer different things. I try to bring in a coaching team where coaches are better than me in areas because I think that's the best way to be because yeah. you learn so much and you bounce off each other um, we've got Ruth a, 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 a woman's coach Ruth Brazier who's like the head of women's football at Leeds Beckett as well and she's an unbelievable coach she's such, she's the calm one she's like the mm-hmm. really methodical sort of calm coach whereas we've got Kevin Heaton who's my assistant who's sort of brutally honest to the players yeah. which I think they need um, we've got Lee Harrison who would do anything for anyone and he's sort of again he's I won't, I won't call him angry he's really nice but I think <laughs> the players know because he's so nice the players know when he raises his voice right we need to listen to this now we need to take note um, Mikey Emery's the goalkeeper coach and he's actually playing for Rylands in the semi-final of the VAR so he's oh, one game away nice. from Wembley so yeah so that's so he's a great uh, keeper coach um, we've got Sam Cleaver who does the SNC as well We've got Connor Kavanagh and we've got Jay Malone who do physio and sports therapy. So we do put all these things in place. So the players have got like literally everything and the sessions are 
very, very, they're very good. You know, like they, they've done really well and the tempo's high and the players know that when they come to training, they've got to put a shift in. So, you know, we do make sure that we, we create a positive environment that gives the best chance to be successful on a Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so kind of important as well, as, especially as you kind of, I wonder if it's going to start to maybe trickle, I, I'm not expecting it at county leagues, but kind of it will start to trickle down where you do have that kind of coaching set up. So at the moment, for example, I play in a county league team and we've just got our coach. He's like our coach and our manager. Like, and that's yeah. it. Whereas obviously you guys are playing like three tiers higher than us. So obviously it's a little bit of a different setup. But yeah, I think you will start to see that more and more across a lot of the kind of tiers and it will start to trickle down where yeah. you do have kind of specialists within the kind of coaching setup. How, how important do you think that is? Did you catch Sorry, that? Sorry, it just broke up. It broke up a little bit. I did hear most of it. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying... The last question. <laughs> I was just saying, how important do you think it is that you kind of have those individual kind of coaches within the kind of coaching setup and it's not just an individual kind of coaching and managing? Like, how important do you think it is that you kind of... You have a physiotherapist and you have a goalkeeper coach? Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think it is really important, but I also see... I, I've been there where you... You know, where your coach is, where yeah. you're just on your own and you've maybe got one person helping and you've got to do the team sheet and you've got to set the warm-up and you've got to put the kit up and you've got to do everything yourself and you're kind of relying on the players to support you a little bit and I think it's really important that you do have good players that recognise that because I think um, the lower down you go, everyone's trying to achieve the same thing. They want to be the best that they possibly can yeah. and I would never look down on anyone that's, that's trying to coach at any level, mm-hmm. regardless of what level coach they are or where they're coaching because I think I, I've been there, I've started there and I think looking back now, you know, the amount of times that maybe you've come against people who do look down and you know that yeah, and I don't want to be that. Yeah. yeah, we played we played a game on Tuesday against the team that are all toffs, which are like North East Regional South. Mm. Um, we had a bit of a mixed team and this I I tried to manage the game a little bit where the scoreline wasn't too heavy and people might look at it and think that is heavy. But we were really respectful to them and really, yeah. you know, we really supported their players and we were really, um, I don't know, sort of professional on the sidelines and things like that. Um, and, and they went on to win their game on Sunday. I was so pleased for them because I yeah. said after the game, you know, I really hope you go on to win on Sunday and you use this as a little bit of a learning experience. Mm. And they did. And I messaged him afterwards and I just said, really well done. And he said, thanks, thanks for the game. We learned so much, blah, blah, blah. And I think that it's really important that... Um, anyone that's doing it on their own just stays positive and, and people will start coming and getting involved as more people get involved in women's football because it's still growing at the end of the day and it's still developing and a lot of people will get involved soon and they'll want to be at your club so just keep plugging away and, and you'll get to where you want to be I think yeah absolutely do you think that is something that we might begin to see over the next I don't know five ten years where we kind of that kind of coaching kind of philosophy sort of trickles kind of further down. You do kind of see sort of, I, I don't want to use the word professional, but the words kind of like a kind of a bit more of a professional setup, even in kind of county level football. Yeah, 100%. And I think it should be as well, because um, why not be the best that you can be? You know, like I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be in a position where you just turn up just to turn up for the social side of it. And I understand some people do that, but I've been there and I just think if people want to get involved in clubs, go and do it because they're crying out for people. And I think some people probably look at it and think, oh, they probably wouldn't want me. I don't have my level one or I don't. 
you know, I haven't got any experience, but you're not going to get the experience unless you go and volunteer and offer yeah. you offer your time to them. And I think a lot more people need to sort of reach out. Ultimately, if they want to, if they want to get involved, um, then then go and support your local club and get some experience. And I'm sure they'll put you through your level one if you want to do it. And then from then, the journey's whatever you make of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I try and sneak this in somewhere every episode as well, the kind of idea of kind of see it to believe it. So kind of it doesn't matter if you're a player and you're kind of five years old or if you're a volunteer who's a little bit not sure about whether or not to go and get involved. Like just just any opportunity to kind of give a platform and a voice and grow a little bit of the women's game. And like you say, by just going and getting involved, there's like, as you say, kind of teams are crying out for volunteers and leagues are crying out for volunteers. Yeah. So any kind of chance to get involved, yeah, I I absolutely agree. I'm sure, I'm sure Emma, I, I, no, I don't know the, the full history of Emma Hayes, but look at where she is now. She didn't start there. Yeah. She's had to work really hard to get to where she is. Um, she could have been a volunteer one day and now she's on the cusp of winning a quadruple. You yeah. know, and for me, that's that's incredible and that's inspiring and that's something to, to sort of aim towards. And I'm not saying one day I'm going to be managing a team that wins the Champions League or is in a position to do it, but why not? Why, yeah. You never know. There's... there's the possibilities are endless if you work hard. Yeah, no, that is absolutely spot on. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, So kind of let's talk a little bit more kind of broadly about the club. Can I, I feel like this might be a bit of a difficult one for you as well. Can you tell me maybe a standout moment for you at the club? There can be more than to one, to be fair. The other day. Yeah, no, I was speaking to my assistant the other day about like achievements and it sounds, it doesn't sound like a great achievement, but I remember um, managing... Um, Brighouse in a semi-final of a county cup against a team called Leeds City Vixens who were one of the top teams around at the time it was them Leeds United and Bradford City and we played against Leeds City Vixens in the semi and and we were we were 8-0 down in the semi-final and we got a goal and from that moment on I felt that I want to win that county cup you know I really want to win that county cup not mm. not for me just for the club and to show how far we've come and when we beat Geisley 3-2 in the final um, we, that was probably one of the best moments we've ever had because it felt like we'd achieved something that we set out to at the beginning. So we, like you said, we saw it. We seen teams dominating the competition and doing really well. And I felt, why can't we? You know, it, it's going to take time, but why can't we? And I think winning the county cup was probably one of the, the proudest moments I've had. I think playing against Everton um, and Sunderland were great experiences. Yeah. Um, I think the FA Cup runs have been a, a common theme while I've been at the club. Um, and, and I think maybe the, the two seasons where we went unbeaten as well, because it, that's tough. It's difficult. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to do. And to do it twice is is good in two different divisions. But I probably, I would say the County Cup win, I just think that's, it was just a really like special moment. My children were there and my partner was playing as well. So she, she played and, yeah. you know, it was just, it was quite emotional and my assistant said he was going crazy when they won and he said why were you so calm like why were you so because I'm not I'm not calm all the time and, and I said I don't know I just felt I felt I, I just felt like it was we'd achieved something and I just wanted to take it all in and sort of see other people's reactions and and give them the sort of limelight I'm not the manager who takes the credit me mm. I think the players take the credit and when things go wrong I take the flack that's the way that's the way it's got to be yeah do you think maybe because you had kind of like got it in your mind, like we are going to win this, maybe that's why you were so calm 
because you were like, yeah. oh, I, I knew it was going to happen anyway. So I that's... felt we were going to win that game as well. I know it's tough because they were the division above, but I just felt the preparation was so good. We played Sheffield United development team the, 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 the Wednesday, I think, before. We'd won 2-0 and played incredibly well, and they were a good team. Uh, we went into the final. Everyone was prepped. We knew our game plan. Um Everyone seemed on it. It was just, it was that, it was that atmosphere. And I think yeah. when we went one 0 down, we conceded a penalty. It was really soft penalty, but it was a penalty. Yeah. And they scored, and I was like, we, we can still win this. We can still win it. And we went three one up, and I think they scored quite late on, and we just saw the game out, and I felt we were going to win the game, and I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel worried. Um, I felt confident. You know, yeah. I felt confident in the players. And for them to go and achieve what they did, it, it you know it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Very inspiring. So you mentioned there you felt kind of well prepped and kind of everything like that. So let's kind of talk a little bit about your kind of coaching philosophy. So. I mean, I'm not putting words into your mouth here, but a lot. So I spoke to Craig in the first episode and then even Dan in the, in the sorry, Craig in the first episode, Dan in the second, even Lou in the last episode as well. And they kind of talked about how they had kind of, they kind of obviously did their coaching badges and stuff like that. And they had this kind of vision sort of of how coaching would go. And then they started coaching women and everything changed. Do you feel like you were kind of similar to that? I, see, I don't... I, I don't know if anyone else says this, but this is one thing that I'll always stand by. I don't see them as men and women. I see them as footballers. Yeah. And for me, I would never treat them differently. Obviously, there are areas where you need to like entry to the change room and things like that. But yeah. I treat them as footballers and they're my footballers or my athletes or, or whatever. They play for the club. Mm. Um, I think in a coaching philosophy, you can sit down and say, we want to play nice, attractive football. We want to play out from the back. We want to play through the thirds. You know, We want to score goals. I want to win football matches. Yeah. So we, we always set up to win football matches. And if we need to play short and we need to play up from the back, we'll do that. If we need to go a bit longer, we need to be aggressive, we'll do that. If we need to play for set pieces, we'll do that. And we always try and plan and prep for each individual game. And we take it one game at a time. And that's always been sort of the way. Um, we try and get as much information on the opponents that we're playing against. If we can get video footage, great. If we know any inside information or if we know what players they've got or how they play then we can sort of look at their strengths, but not focus on not focus on um, them too much. Focus on ourselves and how our game plan is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to know that inside information and all the detail. Um, so yeah, I think my coaching philosophy and the FA and coaching badges and things like that probably doesn't go with it. But we play to win because we're at the level where you do play to win. You're mm. not you're there to enjoy it. But ultimately, it's about three points on a Sunday, and yeah. we try and it's not win at all costs by any by any means. You know, we we try and play the game the right way in the sense of we're not um, we're not nasty. You know, we don't try and kick teams off the park. We can be a, a physical side at times, mm-hmm. but we play we play to win, and yeah. and we try and set up to win the games. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. The only reason I asked about that is because kind of, um, well, I guess maybe because you have only like you most of your kind of coaching career has been with women anyway so I guess you're kind of you haven't kind of got that kind of thinking of kind of men's team so I the only reason I asked about men's team is because well Craig and Dan both mentioned that they kind of 
women often ask why so they want to know why you want to like why you're doing that drill or why they like kind of they they want to know more about kind of the yeah. kind of why you're yeah the, the why you're doing it whereas they kind of notice when they're coaching men you kind of just just say this get is what we're doing it. get on with it yeah. whereas yeah, yeah they, they like, no that's true no like, that's true um it is i think you have to provide a lot more detail in the women's game um, in the men's game I think maybe because the men's game, I keep saying the men's game, but maybe because in, in, in men's football, because it's not as developing, because it's been a, a, a not banned for 50 years, but because yeah. it's been around a, a lot longer and because maybe the players have had that education from a young age all the way through, whereas in women's football, the opportunities weren't there as much as they are now. Mm. You know, the, the opportunities are incredible. So they don't have the foundations in place, and I think the why is 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 a good question is a good question to ask. And I think if you've got as a manager, you've got to have the answers. Yeah, you've got to, and I think they respect you a lot more that if they if they do ask why or what or how, you can provide that information. I think they respect you a lot more as a coach, and they, they realise that you know what you're doing, and then they'll they'll do so much for you. They'll run through walls for you. Um, but yeah, no, hundred percent, I agree with that. <laughs> Definitely, it happens at training all the time. Um, but I love that. I love that part of it because it challenges you as a coach mm. and it shows that the players care and they want to improve. So, yeah, definitely. Whereas, yeah, in men's football, they want to just play football. They want to <laughs> just get on with it, don't they? And, but, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, we've talked about your standout moments. Tell me maybe about some of the challenges that you've had to deal with at the club. I guess, I mean, the kind of big elephant in the room so far for everybody has been the fact that we've been in a pandemic for the last year. So yeah. that's obviously, I imagine that's probably a factor. But yeah, so tell me about some of the kind of challenges you've kind of felt you had at the club. Yeah, so historically, financially, obviously, because um, there is a lot of travelling involved when you get to sort of, to, even in the northeast region, there's a lot of travelling up, up the northeast and, and down sort of over to Manchester um, but in tier 4 there is quite a lot of travelling in tier 3 there's even more travelling um, and we're in a really good financial position now you know we put things in place and we run the club really well but in the past historically um, finances have always been quite difficult because we don't have the big name brand it's always harder to attract sponsors and people to support the club which you know and, and to attract fans in through the gate now we, we set out a, a, a plan and we do it in five year bursts and we're at the second year of our next five year, which COVID's messed up anyway. Yeah. Um, and we've actually, we set ourselves a target of getting a, an average attendance of 150 um, every week. And we actually got 197 in the four games, like average, yeah. 197 in the four games that we had at home um, during this lockdown when people were allowed to come. Yeah. Um, so finances are a lot better, but they were in the past, they were difficult. Um, access to facilities, is always tough because we have a brilliant facility at, at Brighouse, but it's all grass. Yeah. So we've got three grass pitches on our site. One's for training, main training. One's for like lighter training, and then we've got the main pitch. Um, but the, there are so many clubs, boys, girls, men, women, disability, vets. There's so many teams in our area. Um, so trying to access facilities has always been tricky to try and get a 3G pitch. It's always been tough, so access to facilities. So they're probably the two, facilities and finances. And then going back to what we said before about being on your own and having to do everything. Yeah. In the early days, it was, yeah, not having the support, um, having to do literally, you had to be a chairman, a secretary, a treasurer, a manager, a coach, 
you know, a mentor, uh, you know, looking after your players, each individual, because I'm very much on the individual, um, making sure that they're, they're set and their mindset and they're physically right. And, and I think that was tough, but like I say, that part of the journey now we're in a position where we are in a really good position and that's taken a lot of hard work and a lot of time, but you know, they're probably the, the barriers, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, kind of, like you say about kind of uh, finances and getting people through the gates, I think that's something that you're going to sort of, I think that's another real kind of big area of growth in the women's game that's going to happen kind of, as I said, the kind of see it to believe it. So if you can see people getting through the gates and stuff like that. So if I give my own example, actually, so uh, my team, we played, um, we did, a, we, we replayed a game on Thursday night last week um, because we had played a game and it got abandoned. But we had a crowd of 50. Like, we're, like, tier decent. seven, yeah, Thames Valley, like, bottom county. Yeah, we had a, we had a, there, there was an attendance of 50. So, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to see. And hopefully that just continues more and more and it becomes more and more normal and, like, across the whole kind of pyramid. So, yeah, like, it's just, yeah, it's just really great to see stuff like that. And, kind of, yeah, it's so important to kind of get people through the gate, really, isn't it? And kind of seeing, yeah, seeing football being played by women. Yeah, amazing. Um, you mentioned also, what was the other thing you mentioned? Sorry. Um, we talked about finances, didn't you? And then facilities. Yeah. Facilities yeah. that I fit. That's another kind of big one for the women's game, isn't it? So yeah, again, so my, my team, we kind of pitch uh, on a Wednesday night to play futsal and we're on a little quarter of a pitch. So yeah, it's like real scramble for facilities, but I guess that's kind of also testament to the fact that there is more and more clubs kind of growing within the area and yeah. kind of. Yeah, teams are cropping up, women's teams and girls' teams and stuff like that. So kind of obviously naturally you're going to get that competition for facilities, aren't you? But equally it's kind of a little bit frustrating then when you think, can I actually get the facility to even run this kind of session? So yeah, it's kind of swings and roundabouts there, isn't it? Yeah. We're in a good position now in the sense that we've got a plan in place to actually um, have our own 3G, which would be brilliant, not just for us, but for the community because yeah. obviously it's an extra 3G facility that other teams can, can access. So Plans are in place for that. Um, I, I'm not sure where they are. I, I'm not privy to those to the to the information, but yeah. I, I, I do know for a fact that the club are looking into three uh, G facilities and adding more facilities on site as well, just to keep growing because the men's team are, are, are growing as well and, and progressing. So we we need that. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of goes back to that idea that it's a real kind of community club at Brickhouse. Is yeah, there anything that Brickhouse do kind of outside of the club in terms of the community and stuff like that? Yes, I, I mean, we put our application uh, down for the uh, upward movement that was announced and we put together a little bit of a document that sh showed some of the stuff that we've done. So, um, like my daughter, uh, she made even little things. So she made some buns, I think, or she did something anyway, and she sold them and she kept making them, kept selling them, kept making them. Kept, she sold loads and she she made like £100 and donated it to yeah. local children's hospice and took on loads of... Because um, she plays... At, uh, or played at Brighouse. She she's playing with boys teams and stuff now. But um, so she went and and gave them loads of stationery, uh, gave them a check, and that was brilliant. You know, we do things like backpacking, like the junior teams do loads of back uh, backpacking. Yeah. Um, we we try and support Andy's Man Club, which is like a mental health awareness club for like it is for men, but as a club we try and support them. Mm -hmm. uh, we I did the free peaks um, for. Um, a few years back now, but we raised a couple of thousand pounds and we bought a defib for a local primary oh, school. Wow. Just gave them. 
just gave them the defib and we got one ourselves and, and we get we donated one to a primary school and they've still got that now we gave it to the school where my my children go to mm. so it's just little things like that where we try and get ourselves out there and, and sort of give a little bit back and i think it's really important that you that you, you do that and support your local community as much as you can and um, we go we try a lockdown's killed us a little yeah. bit but we try and go to uh, local restaurants and and things like that and eat eat there as a team yeah and um, every now and again and sort of support the the local restaurants pubs things like that mm-hmm. um and again i think i think it's really important that you do support local because then they'll support you and it, it's all one big it's all one big community i suppose yeah absolutely yeah that's really amazing to hear actually i think that's so important as well and i think obviously you're doing it as a club but i think especially kind of within the women's game that's kind of a more kind of kind of commonplace thing isn't it really that they kind of use local facilities and things like that because we are sort of still so reliant on kind of like sponsorship and things like that from from outside organizations so yeah that's yeah that's really amazing to hear i love that so the club the future tell me what is the future of Brickhouse? i know you've just kind of you're recruiting for under 19s and under 23s and from doing a little bit of kind of looking on social media there's a wildcat center starting up as well so yeah tell me the future of Brickhouse. what does it look like exciting by the looks of it Amazing. Yeah, no, so, as I mentioned before, um, although Brighouse Town women have always come under the sort of banner of Brighouse Town, it, it's kind of been run as two separate entities, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, we're in the progress of sort of bringing it together as one. Yeah. Um, and we're going to have under that, we're going to have boy. We've never had really a boys, boys teams, which is crazy for a team of our site. And now we've yeah. got five or six boys teams, five or six girls teams, the Wildcat Centres, um, Mark Boo's doing an incredible job um, looking after all the sort of junior teams overseeing it and then they've got some really good coaches as well who are trying to develop and shape the future players of tomorrow because we've never really had that the under 19s are our current under 18s who are an incredible group of players and although players will go away to uni and things like that you know we, we've got an, a nice little group and we're going to put them into open age and we're going to play them in like the county leagues yeah. you know and, and see how they get on in there um, just give them that experience of playing against women, you know, because it's, it's different playing yeah. against girls to women. It's it's more physical. It's 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 more difficult to manage because they're more experienced. They know, you know, they know how to play the game better. Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, the under twenty threes are our current EDS, which is like an elite development. But we don't like that because we don't don't like the word elite yeah. because it kind of puts people off. If that makes sense, we want an under twenty threes where we can get good local young talent coming through. Um, playing as well as they can do for Brighouse, as well as progressing the club, progressing themselves, and then hopefully one day we can start producing players that are, I'd say, good enough, but capable of handling the expectations of first team football at a national league level, because it is it is tough. You know, a lot of our players um, have played at youth international level, or they've played in the divisions above, or mm. you know, we've got international footballers and. For a young kid coming into that, it's quite hard. So we try and create the environment for them to do that. Um, but as a club, yeah, we just want to we just want to do as well as we can do. We want to do us. We don't want to do, do anyone else. We just want to do the best that we possibly can do and create the best possible environment that people want to be involved in and, and see where that takes us, I suppose. Yeah. 
Um, I think I just bang on about this every episode as well. That kind of pathway is so, so important in women's football. Yeah. And yeah, like it's just growing beyond belief, I think, um, currently and kind of in the next few years. And yeah, just obviously the pandemic's just really kind of scuppered people's plans in terms of that, hasn't it? But yeah, it's just so important that that kind of clear pathway kind of is there. And like you say, you've got kind of the youth teams and the under-19s and then changing to the under-23s. Yeah, it just sounds like lots of really positive things are happening at the club. Do you think there's championship on the way for you, possibly? Are we going to get beyond a National League and then up to championship? Will we see Brig House in the WSL one day? I hope so. My only fear is, and I keep saying this, um, obviously you've probably heard of the application for the upward movement and things like that. Um, on the pitch, which is 75% of the um, requirement, over the last two COVID periods, we are top on points per game, top on FA Cup uh, progression, top on League Cup progression, and I think we're joint on goal difference. My only fear is our off-field is incredible as well. We've got an unbelievable development plan. Our financial reports are, are, are really strong. Um, our off-field success in the sense of, as I mentioned before, our charity work and community work is, is good. Um, my only fear is, in terms of the integrity of it all, it's not just based on your own feel, which it would have been if the season had been finished and the winner would have gone up and everyone's nobody's got anything to say. And I think it's open to interpretation what people are looking for with this application because Brighouse Town is not a, a household name yeah. in our league when we've got the likes of Newcastle United, Leeds United, Barnsley um, within our within our league. Um, I just hope that the integrity is is held up somewhat and we we get what we deserve ultimately um, which we feel is you know a, a promotion to tier 3 and and then I think from there we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily go in just to make up the numbers or um, battle against relegation and again it's not being disrespectful to other teams we want to try and compete as, as well as we can do and we want to give ourselves the best possible position so that those young kids that are coming through now um, have got a, a really strong team to play for when they're older and I think that's really important and championship who knows? Again, you know, there's finances available, um, the TV money and things like that that are coming into the game now. You've got to dream big. And I think, yeah, one day, why not go and play a championship? And if it's not me that's the manager, I want to leave the club in the best possible position so whoever comes in can take that on and, and, and push for the championship. And I don't think it's unrealistic. And some people might say, oh, Brighouse Town, how can they get to the championship? Why can't they? Yeah. Look where we are now compared to where we were. Nobody thought we'd win the County Cup ever. No one had... I think we'd get to the tier four, tier three, so why not? Got to dream big. Yeah, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth there. <laughs> dream big, always, absolutely. And again, yeah. it's that whole see it to believe it, so why not? Why not? Love that. Um, you mentioned the um, kind of TV deal there. Are we talking about kind of Sky and the BBC? That's the TV deal you're mentioning? Yeah, what do you what do you think of that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. I think it's class and I think, do you know what? As long as they're the, there's the audience there, the TV money will continue. My fear is that um, in three years' time when the deal runs up, that it's not renewed. I can't see it not being because I think it'll grow even more in those three years. Like It's an incredible rate of growth, but we've got to look at the... You've got to be responsible and you've got to think, if that TV deal money goes, how are you going to finance things now? Because if you grow through finances that are there now, how are you going to be sustainable in the future? That That's a big one for me. and I, it's, not, it's not a fear... It's a bit of a worry that mismanagement, it happens. It happens at all levels. We've seen teams like Bury 
you know, the men's yeah. team going pop. Uh, other teams, you know, they've, they've done it as well. Mismanagement of the club. Um, I just hope that there is more sponsorship, more fans through the gate, more levels of sustainability so the game can continue to grow. Because, as I mentioned, the TV money might only be here for three years. Um, so just manage it correctly and don't bank on it in the future. Invest it properly. That's all I'd say. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not... I'm not a financial advisor or anything, but I just I, I do worry a little bit that if it doesn't go to plan, it, it could end badly. So we need to make sure we put plans in place now and, and ensure it is sustainable. Mm, absolutely. That's something that I talked about with Lizzie and Tree in one of my episodes as well. The kind of idea that it's sort of cyclical because there's always this kind of, oh, nobody cares, nobody watches, blah, 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 isn't it? But actually, the more people watch, the more investment happens. And the more that investment happens, the more people watch. So it's just this kind of constant cycle that, yeah, yeah. people just seem to be kind of obsessed with the idea that, yeah. That no one cares. I oh, love that no one cares comments. One of my favourites. It's oh, one of my favourites. <laughs> you, you cared enough to comment, and I just think I wouldn't comment. I wouldn't. Yeah. If, I said it. You know, I don't. I don't mind cricket. I don't mind basketball. I don't mind rugby. I don't. Mind, I don't mind any other sport, but I don't love them. Yeah. But I wouldn't write. I don't care if something could. <laughs> you just don't follow it, or you just don't. I just don't get the mindset, me, but. It is what it is, and I think they look at football as a men's game, and you're taking over our game, and women can't do this, and women can't do that. And I think getting the 21st century, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not like that anymore. And grow up, that's what it <laughs> yeah. is. You know? How would your mum think about you talking like that? Or if your daughter dreams of being a footballer or anything when she's older, and you're going to turn around and say, "You can't do that. You're a girl." Yeah. How are you going to make them feel? And I just don't think they. I just don't think they look at that. I don't, I don't think they think like that, which is is sad, really sad. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't mind an occasional uh, Twitter discussion with someone when I see a nobody cares comment for sure. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we've sort of touched on it there slightly. The kind of can what what do you feel are the biggest challenges in women's football right now? Um, exposure, probably. Mm-hmm. So, like the visibility. Um, yeah. You mentioned you had fifty people coming to your game, which is like amazing because, like. In the past, I've been there as well, where you get like someone walking their dog, just walking past. There's no one else there. The atmosphere is not, not there up to, as I mentioned, you know, like 400, maybe even more at the Sunderland game away. I didn't, I didn't track the attendance. But when a goal goes in and the raw goes up and it's like, it's hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It, it, it's really good. And I think it does need more exposure. Um, I think it also, people need to be, aware that the game is still developing and it's come on so so much in the last 10 years and I'm really looking forward to the next sort of even the next two years I think it's just going to grow again imagine if the Lionesses win a, an international competition or if Chelsea win the Champions League or yeah. it just it just gives everyone that little bit of a buzz and I think as it develops there'll be more visibility um, and more awareness and stop comparing the Premier League to the Women's Super League because it, although it's one sport and football's football, it's at different stages and different levels and give it a chance to grow. Yeah. Stop, stop smacking it down now in its early parts and give it a chance to grow. It's not it's not the same, although it is the same, if that makes sense. It's yeah. the same sport, but it's not the same levels and that's not because women aren't as good as men. That's because women have not had the same opportunities to access to facilities, access to top quality coaching, 
I, I read something the other day. Um, what was it Rachel Brown Finnis who was saying that she didn't have a keeper coach even when she was playing for uh, professional teams, and yeah. it was like wow. And that just that speaks volumes. That it shows the levels and the professionalism as we spoke about is now there. Mm-hmm. The, the opportunities are now there. So you honestly you'll see a massive growth in five to ten years. Will it ever be as big as the Premier League? Maybe, maybe not. It's a global brand that's been there for years and it's had billions of pounds pumped into it. Mm. But I'd like to think that down the line, women's football, not just at Super League, in the Championship, the National League, North East Regional County level, will have more exposure, more access to um, facilities and it, you'll just see a massive boom. And I'm really looking forward to it, whether I'm in management or not. I'll always sort of go and watch women's football. 100%. Yeah, that's really interesting. You said, well, preaching to the choir, to be honest. Like, you've just yeah. hit, hit the nail on the head with everything you said there. It's interesting, actually, a, a friend of mine shared a tweet with me last night about, I think somebody replied to uh, Jules Breach, the broadcaster for Sky, about, I, I think she must have tweeted about Chelsea. Um, and he's, well, I mean, he started the tweet with, um, please don't think I'm trying to be rude. So I was like, okay, so you're about to be rude. Be rude. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, I did slightly agree with what he was saying because he mentioned how there's no depth in women's football and you just have to look at the recent FA Cup fixtures. I did consider having a discussion with him, but then I thought, no, I'm just going to read the tweet and I'm have a little think about it and that's it. But I mean, to some to some degree, I do agree that there is kind of there isn't that depth in women's football. But like you've just said, like you have to remember how kind of far behind, like as you said, Rachel Finnis-Brown as well. And all of that comes when you invest, doesn't it? And all of that comes with the visibility and stuff like that. Um, I did also just share the the Southampton-Leicester scores as well with him as well, just to prove that, you know, the depth of uh, the Premier League as well. Just a little bit salty there. But yeah, so yeah, just... And do you know what annoys me the most? And I'm going off on a rant now. No, let's do it. (laughs) When they post mistakes by female footballers, like, do you know, like if someone... Let's a goal in that should have been saved, or someone misses a shot that should have gone in. This happens in men's football, yeah. But because there's not as there's there's not as many um, women's games, they focus on those one little errors, and, and it really annoys me. I, I was watching because uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I was watching the Arsenal game, and I can't remember one of the Arsenal players, male. Um, it was Kieran Tierney who was I've unbelievable. Seen that video. He's one of our best players. And I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> if that was in the women's game um, and he fell over like, and, and, and the female fell over like that, it would be all over the place. But because yeah. it was a, a male player, there was a little bit of banter and there was a little bit of what you're doing there. But then it's gone. Yeah. But it doesn't keep coming back like no. the women's won't do and it annoys me. Yeah. The thing is as well is that probably it happens tenfold in the men's game as well because there is so much more visibility of the men's game and there's so much more like on TV and stuff like that. So actually those kind of mistakes probably happen more often because there is more teams. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to sound too salty on this. I do. I am a football fan uh, at the end of the day. Just but yeah, obviously we're talking about women's football. You did mention you're an Arsenal fan. So yeah, yeah, let's kind of have a little talk about that. I mean, how are you feeling about third place? (laughs) Well, in the women's game, great. <laughs> Obviously, you always you always want to you always want to win the league. Um, yeah. Chelsea and Man City are unbelievable, though. They've got unbelievable squads, great management. I know Joe's moving on, but whoever comes in will he's set the foundations now. Um, but yeah, no, you're always competing against probably two of the best teams on the planet within your league, which is yeah. tough. Uh, Jill Rhodes just said that she's going yeah, to Wolfsburg, which is 
in, you know, because obviously she's had a great season. Ten, ten goals? I think Gosh, so, yeah. Yeah, so she's, she's had a great season. Um, but I think, yeah, no, third place, Man United have pushed pushed us all the way. I think it was a point in the end. Yeah, it was. Villa. I think it was 47-48. Um, but it's Champions League football at the end of the day. Yeah, that's um, true. So there's an opportunity to recruit, attract um, higher profile players, players that have played in that environment, I Yeah, suppose. well, I've seen rumours of uh, Iwabuchi coming from Aston Villa over to you guys, because obviously yeah. I think Arsenal tried to sign her in the first place, like back in January last year, but there was kind of a little bit of drama around Japan not wanting her to leave because of She Believes and stuff like that, and obviously yeah. Corona... So and she already knows um, Miedemar and Lisa Evans from when they played. Yeah. Was it Bayern together? So yeah, I think yeah. Iwabuchi would be a great signing for you guys. I'm also just yeah. a little bit bitter to be honest because I'm a Reading fan. So and I oh. think we've had an awful <laughs> season. Farrell so. Williams, what a player though, legend. Yeah. Oh yeah, just it's a little bit emotional thinking about it. Really, actually, yeah. yeah, she is phenomenal, and obviously she's a Arsenal legend as well. So yeah, just. The WSL has just been a real great kind of advert for women's football this year. I mean, it's always a great advert, isn't it? But especially this year, I feel like it's just kind of really kind of gone up a notch and just been well, such down a... from the bottom. Like, yeah, well, the relegation going... battle's been insane. Yeah. So my assistant manager, his his partner plays for Birmingham. Nice. Uh, she was the one who scored the goal against Villa, the free kick, via Tricky oh, Sara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's like a really close family friend. And she said that, you know, they've they've had to go through some difficult periods. Like I think they only had like one sub or something on Sunday and things like that. But yeah. Carla Ward's done an incredible job to keep them there with the with the circumstance that they've been in. But yeah, no, what a what a end to the season, both at the bottom and the top. And Bristol, credit to them, they made a fight of it. You know, they probably left it too late, didn't they? But they had a yeah. under Matt Beard, they went they went on a little bit of a run and just fallen short yeah absolutely yeah like yeah i just think it's been a real great advert for how incredible women's football is. even the championship this year as well like leicester have just absolutely bossed it yeah. haven't they so and yeah. some of the other kind of teams like in and around and obviously like it's kind of it's tipping the balance as well the championship right now because obviously half of them are professional half of them are not professional yeah. but that's well like we've said already that doesn't mean they're not professional just because they haven't yeah. got the kind of big banner and the title over it yeah. so yeah it's just been a real Considering the, the the season before was kind of curtailed, the fact that this one has kind of gone ahead and, yeah, been such a fantastic advert. I think in some ways, actually, the fact that the rest of us have kind of been suspended and not had time to, like, be there on a Sunday, because obviously yeah. only women are allowed to play at 2pm on a Sunday, don't, no matter what level you play at. <laughs> um, yeah, it just means that actually there has been that kind of audience and that visibility and probably more people have been able to watch it. So actually, it's kind of... As awful as it's been, it's been a little bit of a good thing that we've had this kind of time away from football, kind of yeah. from tiers three, kind of below. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, again, as you mentioned, obviously it's been a terrible time and it's affected a lot of people. But I think sport has been something that's kept people going. You know, it was started, I think, with the men's German league. That, that came back in the early parts and, mm. you know, everyone was watching that. Um, and then... And then obviously the Premier League restarted, the Women's Super League was on, Conti Cup, FA Cup, um, you know, being involved in that, but being able to watch it as well. Um, it's, been, it's been great. And I, I'm one of those as well that in the past, I'd watch a, a game of women's football and think, it's not, it's not, it's not great. You know, like, mm. it's, it's, because even, even me, you sometimes look at sort of men's and women's and you'd rather watch a men's game, but... Honestly, I can hand on heart say that I watched 
uh, the Champions League games and the levels have been incredible. Like yeah. the Chelsea, the, the Chelsea team have been unbelievable um, against um, who they play in the not not the Bayern one, the one before. Can't remember who they play, but was it Wolfsburg? Yeah, yeah that Wolf- sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, they were great games. They were incredible games. Um, and then even in the semi, that game was bonkers. Like they could have conceded right at the end and gone out, and then they've gone up the other end, and Frank Kirby's tapped into a, an open net. And that's the sort of excitement I think women's football needs for, to get people involved. And honestly, think I think the Champions League final will be an incredible event. And I, I do hope Chelsea win it from an English point of view. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I think Barcelona are good. They've got some good players, but I think Chelsea will probably just. Pip them. Yeah, absolutely. And nab that kind of new title of quadruples. So yeah. yeah. Seen as Arsenal, the only only team ever, male or female. Yeah, yeah I love it. that. Cool. Okay, right. Let's do some quick fire questions. Because I feel like we're yeah, we're off on a tangent. It's a good tangent, I love it. We did a little bit of a rant as well, even better. I love a rant. <laughs> but yeah, let's do some quick fire questions. Okay, this is the part where you get to um, kind of dig out the teammates a little bit, and I feel I'm like not you're just, to yeah, this. <laughs> you're like I'm not vetoing any of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me who is always late. Oh, always late. There's a few. There's a few. They, dig them all out. Take, dig them all out. I, I think they take it in turns to be late. Though. <laughs> there's a rotor. Yeah, there's no, there's not one particular person who's always late. Um. There's sort of a group who maybe just get on the phone. It's going to be late week because I'll get there early and they just take it in turns. Um, but no, I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you an individual. Like, it's There's the whole a few. squad. They're all bad. Yeah, they are. I like the idea that they do actually have a rotor where they're like, um, "Who's going to annoy Rob this week and be late?" <laughs> <laughs> um. Who is waiting until match day to turn the heat on? So they're like a bit chill at training and then they're just absolutely on it on match day. Um, Ellie White is sort of, I won't say hot and cold, but on a match day, she's on it. Like she is, she will run and run and run and she's incredibly talented. Like she's such a gifted player. Mm. Um, I think sometimes at training, she does have a little bit of a moan. Um, but we love that, you know, we love that because it, it just adds to the, the experience of yeah. managing the club, I suppose. But yeah, no, Ellie White is, is incredible on a, on a match day. Um, I think Abby Lee's a little bit like that as well. She doesn't, she's not a massive fan of training. I know <laughs> she can't train much because of work because yeah. she's like head of women's football at Leeds RTC. Oh, wow. um, so she does struggle a bit, but she always, she always turns up to games, mm-hmm. 100%. So probably them too. Cool. Okay, in terms of match day, who turns up at the wrong venue or forgets their kit? <laughs> I don't think anyone's done that. <laughs> turn up at the wrong venue. No, I don't think anyone's ever turned up at the wrong venue. We're quite organised, you see. We don't let them turn up at the wrong venue. We're on them all the time. Um, forgetting kit, you always get the odd few that... <laughs> it sounds crazy because it's the only equipment you need, but you always get the odd few that forget their shin pads or forget their boots. And then you've, we always have spares, you see, now. We've yeah. learned, like, over a long time, we've got spare shin pads and we've got spare boots, like, on a few different sizes, just in case. Um, but um, I think even my... I think I'm going to dig her out now, but even my my missus who plays for the team, 
um, she forgot her boots last week and we had to turn the car around and go and get them and made me late. So... <laughs> Um, I am basically I just have a conversation with myself in our WhatsApp group on a Sunday morning because I can never ever find my socks I'm just permanently searching for my socks or sometimes occasionally my shirt as well so I'll post in the group like I can't find my socks I can't find my socks nobody ever replies to me because they know that I will be replying to myself 10 minutes later like oh don't worry I found them yeah. yeah, just I. So I am that person who's well. I don't forget my kit because I always end up taking it with me. But yeah, I, it's always a mad like rush yeah, in the morning yeah. trying to find it. Um, who is scoring your winning goal? Amy Woodruff. That was a very confident answer there. Yeah, she's scored a few this season now, and <clears> she we played against Chef on Sunday, and she scored a hat trick playing on the left hand side as well. So yeah. she's yeah, she's on it. I think she. We're not going to add those goals to a total, but she has got 11 goals this season, which is really good to say that we've only played 10 games and she doesn't always play up front. Um, but yeah, Amy Woodruff, um, she scored two goals against Newcastle as well in the FA Cup. She, she, I think she'd bang us the winning goal, definitely. Yes, love that. Uh, equally, who's missing it? <laughs> oh, that's a harsh question, that. <laughs> it is. That this is, is the one that gets vetoed normally. So, no, I will say... Um, <laughs> You're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no. So, in the penalty shootout against Huddersfield, and I'm going to dig her now, but Emma Dobson was like, we said, right, who wants one? Yeah, I'll have one. Definitely, I'll have one. <laughs> so said, confident. One in the last penalty shootout, and she stepped up all confident, and she hit it, and it was like, it was like a P-roller, and, but no one did, we were a really good team, and we just said afterwards, get around, I make sure she's all right, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And she even said afterwards, I don't know what we're doing there. I'm so much better than that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you are. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, yeah, probably Dobby, I suppose. Uh, but she is a centre-half, so you, you, can, you yeah. can let her get rid of it a little bit. I feel like people who don't veto this question normally pick a defender as well. Like that's a solid choice yeah, to go for. Definitely. But yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, who's your most competitive there's a few it's a very competitive group you're like it's everyone they're all competitive yeah, yeah they are but Ellie White's really competitive she just wants to win you know I think Drew Green is competitive on the sly because <laughs> she, she just runs and runs and runs always works really hard but she's so quiet like she's the quietest nicest person you'll meet um, but she's got probably a, a competitive edge hidden away I suppose mm. um, but it's a really highly competitive group um, they, they all just want to win and do well. Um, Shauna leg at the back as well. Like she, she just wants to win. You can just see it in them. They just want to win games, and yeah. but oh, not aside of winning games, they want to do well. They want they want to play well, and mm. I think they beat themselves up when they don't play well as well. That's fair enough. Uh, biggest joker. Who's the prankster of the team? I think Dobby tries to be. <laughs> um, who else is in there? You're putting me on the spot. There's a, <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a few again, but I think Dobby tries to Dobby tries to bring the banter. Um, and to be fair, she can be funny sometimes, but sometimes she just she she's just silly. If you know what I mean, like she yeah, just yeah, yeah. daft. Um, but no, she's a top she's a top lass. Uh, yeah, she tries to bring the banter. She tries to be a bit of a joker. Uh, Kay as well, Kaylee Bamford. She tries to crack a joke every now and again. Um, but yeah, no. Again, do you know what? It's such a good group. They're such a good group. They're all. They're not all perfect, but they're all really, really good. Yeah, nice. Okay, final question: Who's the team hype woman? I feel like you're going to say this again. It's everybody. No, I think, I think Kay. I think Kay gets everyone going. Yeah. I think she's really good for the club, um, because she is 
the most experienced player. She's been there, done that. She's been all the way through from when it started till now. So credit to her for doing that. Mm. Um, she's close to getting 200 games as well, which is good, even though we've had COVID. Uh, but she is the player that even if she, even if she was on the bench, she wouldn't mourn. She'd get everyone going and G'd up. I think Shauna Leg again, she, she G's people up. Um, I think we've got quite a good group in the sense of it's, it, the average age now is probably around 26, mm. which I think is a perfect age because we've got a few young a few young kids and then we've got a few older heads and then everyone else is sort of in between. But I yeah. think they all, they're, they're all just really good for each other. It's such a good environment, honestly, and they create that. We, we put it together and then they create it. So yeah. I think any club the players make, you, you club what it is. Because as a manager as well, you're only as good as your players, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I feel like that's such a good note to finish on there as well. You have survived the quick fire questions. So good job. Oh, just. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to add? I know you're kind of recruiting at the moment, aren't you? So where can people find you on social media, or if they want to get in touch to kind of come down for trials or whatever? Yeah, no, yeah. Jump on the Twitter page. That's probably the one thing that we use quite a lot. Uh, BTAFC Women. Um, we in, in the ter- in terms of trials. We're really happy with the first team squad as such now. Um, we've got a couple of people that we've identified that we want to bring in, mm-hmm. but we really, really want to recruit the under-23s and the under-19s, yeah. um, just get get more players in the club, um, good, honest young players who want to come and work hard and be part of a, a good group because we all train together, you see, as well, which is great for, for everyone, a young kid coming and training with um, someone like Danny Whitten, who's played for Blackburn in the Championship. You know, wow. it's, it's an amazing... It's an amazing thing for, for for the young players to come in. They all warm up together. They all do the SNC together. Then they'll break off and do their own little bits, and then they come together for a game and things like that at the end. So, um, so yeah, under 19s under twenty threes, any even do you know what? Even younger than that, um, any any age group under sixteen, I'm sure that if we haven't got a team for them yet, um, mm. we'll we'll find one for them. Fingers crossed. Love that. Yeah. Well, hopefully. We will see lots of success for Brickhouse in the future and hopefully we'll see your little girl playing for Man City sometime. Hopefully we'll see that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. This has been a real pleasure to chat to you. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you to you. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode seven of the latest series in the Selk podcast production. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. So if you ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. Feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Poignant this week as well as it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode eight. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Match Fix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.